up, y'all, and welcome to the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, Jack Vita, here for a special Christmas episode of the Jack Vita Show. And boy, do we have a fun treat in store for you all. Today, last year, we did our Christmas edition show. Hard to believe that was a full year ago. I talked with Tommy Weber, T-Webb. My former classmate at Christian Heritage Academy, 8th grade, class of 2008, let's go. He is out working in the film industry now in Los Angeles. He joins me on the line right now for year two of our now annual Christmas episode. How are you doing, Tommy? I'm doing great, Jack. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, and last year, as everyone can recall, we talked about a Christmas classic, The Santa Claus from 1994, starring Tim Allen, and only fitting for year two of the Christmas edition show to do The Santa Claus 2. It sounds perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So The Santa Claus 2, you and I both rewatched this movie. I've seen this movie so many times over the years. came out in 2002, uh, a sequel that really almost came a full decade after the first one. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy seeing... Uh, uh, I mean, you know, they got the same kid to play Charlie, and he looks a lot older. I think that really uh, shows just how long it, it had been. Yeah. he's. I don't even know. They never really say how old Charlie is in this movie, uh, but he was like five or so in the first one. This is eight years later, so I guess he's like in that junior high rebellion stage. Yeah, I think he's either junior high or like young high school or something. Yeah. To put this into historical context, this move these movies for you and I when we were growing up, this was before Elf. Elf had not come out. Elf didn't come out till you and I were about 9 10 years old. So we had several Christmases without Elf existing in our lives. And it, for me, this was really the gold, the, at least the, the first Santa Claus was a gold standard Christmas movie for me at that time. Yeah, I think for me, I think the Tim Allen Christmas, uh, the Tim Allen Santa Claus movie was, was a good uh, Christmas movie for me before Elf came out. Uh, another one was, I mean, I loved like the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the yeah. old the Christmas special. And yeah, Santa Claus. Yeah, so Santa Claus is coming to town. Uh, those were those are some of my Christmas classics before. Yeah, Elf. for sure. So this movie came out when you and I were in third grade, and it's it's weird that I remember all these little details, but I do. <laughs> this came out in third grade, and the reason I remember it is it's a year before Elf came out, and there are some similarities between this movie and Elf. Yeah, I think so. I think well, I think the you know one of the big. Uh, staples of Santa Claus movies is you know the theme of belief and and uh, being young at heart. Uh, so you see a lot of that in both of these movies. Yeah, and we'll be talking today also about potential theological Christian faith elements or parallels with that belief type of plotline. Yeah, the first Santa Claus comes. Scott Calvin slowly transforms into Santa. And we talked about some of the absurdities in that movie last year. If this interests you, go back and listen to that podcast. It's a fun one. We That was actually, Tommy, one of the most downloaded episodes of the year. So congratulations to you on that. Oh, oh. How, many, how many downloads did it get? 
Uh, well over 50 or 60, I want to say. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> Numbers are going up this year, so we're we're aiming for new heights this year in 2019. Heck yeah. So now in the second movie, we're presented with really three different plot lines or hurdles that need to be overcome in order for this uh in order for the kids to enjoy their Christmas. Why don't you tell us about what these hurdles are? Yeah, the uh yeah, so I think the the main arcs that everyone uh that the plot's going through is Tim Allen's uh quest to find a Mrs. Claus before he loses all of his powers as Santa. Um, there's the problem of Charlie acting out at school. There's the, there's the problem of toy Santa, uh, slowly taking over, uh, slowly taking over the workshop and, uh, and becoming too focused on the rules. If we want to talk about spiritual themes, you know, there's a lot of legalism going on there. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, Really, there's a a few th- different things going on, which is different, and I like that about this movie to have a few different obstacles and hurdles here. Um, how would you rank these three plot lines in terms of interest for you? Because I think it's pretty clear cut for me. In terms of interest, I mean, I think that Tim Allen's performance as Toy Santa is what makes Toy Santa really fun for me. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, I think, uh, Charlie acting out in school is, is pretty good too. I think, I think the bottom one for me is, is him looking for a Mrs. Claus. And that's mostly because I just, you know, maybe it's just, I'm, you know, jaded and old and all that stuff, but I'm <laughs> 28 days to get married. Come on. Like, uh, you're going to find someone and, and propose and they're going to be okay with it. Like really, but yeah that's where i'd put the ranking i don't know what about you yeah so at the beginning of this movie i will say we find out the plot pretty early on is that santa is not going to be able to remain santa unless he finds a mrs claus this is the second clause in the santa unofficial contract which is kind of funny because he never really signed on for any of this it's a very informal contract i feel like you could find some loopholes in that but there's no real attorneys or court of law to hear him on anything. It just kind of happens with magic. I mean, the fact that the the job is forced upon him. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, it, it comes and it taketh away. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, dis- I'm in a different ranking. So we both have Charlie second. I think that complicated relationship, father to son, which is going to be fun to talk about today. Um, I actually really, all my favorite scenes come when Tim Allen is not at the North Pole and is back in whatever generic Midwest city they're living in here that this movie takes place. <laughs> I really enjoy all of that. It's a little bit of a Hallmark Christmas type story, which I am a sucker for the Hallmark channel. I love those Hallmark movies. Um, and I think the the North Pole stuff is really funny but it's also a little cringy because you're you're hating to see the suffering in the north pole Hmm, uh, what do you mean by that well just that they're bernard's being held hostage and i love bernard he's my guy 
So it's a little bit of a, it's kind of like you got a little bit of horror film going on there. Oh yeah. I see what you mean. No, I mean, I think that, uh, I don't know. I just love the, the awkwardness of, of <laughs> Santa, you know, figuring out what it means to, to be a person and seeing, uh, seeing the way he's navigating that I thought was, uh, was really funny, but yeah, there is that when he starts to go full villain at the end. Yeah. <laughs> the comedy element is excellent at the North pole. However, I will say, mm, yeah. So, all right, let's see, where should we begin? I, I guess we could talk about some of the newer characters. Cause we got a couple of new characters here. We're introduced to elf number two, Curtis. Do you like Curtis, Tommy? I do like Curtis. I thought that uh, I thought that the kid who played him, uh, Spencer Breslin. I thought he was. I thought he was funny. I liked the. Uh, I liked the idea of Santa having legal aid, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I thought that he. You know, as far as it's really risky when you get kid actors, but I feel like the kid actors in this movie were were good. Both Spencer and the per, and the and the little girl who played Lucy. Uh, I thought they did great jobs. Yeah, I don't know her name, but I know she makes a later appearance in Cheaper by the Dozen. That's right. She's yeah, Cheaper by the Dozen. She's also in that, <laughs> and then she's also in uh, a cartoon that I enjoy called Bravest Warriors. Oh, cool. Yeah. So Curtis is kind of. I think the kid does a great job, but he's just kind of an awkward, funny character because like he's just kind of random. Like I'll go to that first scene. Where you've got those military, it looked like military jets flying over the North Pole, and they hear um, that Christmas song. I can't remember what. Do you remember what Christmas song is playing that the toy Santa is dancing to? I think it was just Santa Claus is coming to town. Yeah, that's right. And you see yeah. Curtis. We don't know where this song is coming from, and Curtis is just laying out in Santa's sleigh, having the time of his life. Watching this toy Santa just dance, and he's loving it. (laughs) 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 I mean, it's funny that you bring that up, because that's actually the one thing that I'm like, this feels out of character for him after we get to know him the rest of the movie. It's it's a strange thing to establish like who he is when he seems to be such a stickler for the rules, and he's sitting in the boss's car and blasting music. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's kind of like you. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. That's what I was thinking. Like he does stuff in an unpredictable manner at times. You can't really predict what Curtis is going to do next. Yeah, yeah. We got Curtis. He's a new character. In addition to that, we've got Lucy. This is uh, Neil and Laura. If you remember from the first movie, Neil is Charlie's stepfather. And oh boy, Neil, he is on top of his game once again in this movie. He was, yeah, he was funny. I liked him. I liked his, uh, he had, you know, he wasn't in it for much, but, uh, but the few lines that he had, he did a good job with. (laughs) So Neil and Laura now have a daughter, which is realistic. Uh, it makes sense for them because this is about Lucy's probably about five or six years old or whatever. And this is eight years after their, the first movie, Charlie's grown up. It would make sense for them to have a kid of their own. Right. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it adds, you know, adds to the cuteness factor. You know, little kids in movies is always adorable. Yeah. Um, 
but I think we needed to counteract Charlie's bad behavior with a kid in the family's good behavior who is excited about Santa. And Charlie's really complicated in this movie. I'm just going to get out right now. Charlie's kind of the worst in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) He's, yeah, running around being a little dingus. (laughs) Yeah, and I think you made fun of this on the last episode. You, I think you, you talked about, I was just listening to it the other day, you were joking about the track selection for the spray painting scene in the gym. I, you know what? I, I have no, I, I remember I was making fun of that. Uh, also, and I was rewatching that and I realized that I completely misremembered the scene. I have no idea why I conflated the memory of Aaron Carter (laughs) playing over the graffiti. I, it's such a a strange Mandela effect (laughs) moment for my brain. I was like, I, I felt like I remembered, I remember because there's there wasn't a lot that I remembered about this movie, but that was the one thing I thought I remembered with certainty, <laughs> and I was wrong about that. <laughs> I think you had mixed it up with a Disney Channel show Christmas special from this era, the Lizzie McGuire Christmas episode with Aaron Carter. Maybe that's what you were thinking of. Maybe that's what I was thinking about. <laughs> no, I've yeah, I was. I was thinking about that as I was watching the movie. I was like, "Oh well, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna eat some crow on this one." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the song that they play ends up being fitting. It was like a it was a punk rebel type Christmas sounding song, and he is yeah he spray paints he graffitis something that says along the lines of Principal Newman hates Christmas. Right. Which brings us to our last significant new character in this film. What'd you think of Principal Newman? Oh, I thought she was I thought she was great. I think Elizabeth Mitchell's a good actress. Um I think that as as unbelievable as the idea of getting someone to fall in love with you in 28 days <laughs> is, she sold it very well. Yeah, and that's the thing. I will say, there's so many unrealistic things about this movie in the sense of the North Pole and elves and Santa and whatever. Nothing is more unrealistic than finding a wife over the span of 28 days, especially right before the holidays. That is that yeah. is ridiculous. <laughs> that is never happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of like it seems like it could be some kind of a reality show if it were to come out in present day. Like I think there's a show called 90 Day Fiance. Um they could have something like that. How to find how to find a fiance in 28 days to bring home to meet your family for the holidays. Oh my gosh, that show sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> I feel like that could be on MTV or E or one of those networks. Whatever. Oh, absolutely. and now factor in the fact that it's not just a an engagement you actually have to get married in 28 days i mean tim allen's reaction i have to get married right (laughs) but she's i think she she's my favorite of the new characters because charlie is complicated but some of the stuff that goes on in this movie with charlie is just a little 
far-fetched for me. It just seems kind of strange. Uh, like what parts? All right. We got to talk about this. So Charlie's acting out. And by the way, let's bring Neil into this. They have this meeting at the beginning of the movie where Scott Calvin decides, okay, I'm going to go home and I'm going to, I'm going to find a wife. Hopefully he, he actually doesn't seem very confident in his ability, but he's like, I'm going to try We give it my all. We'll see. But mainly I want to take care of my son. And so he wants to figure out what is going on with Charlie. Why is Charlie acting out? And we end up finding out that the reason why Charlie is so upset is the fact that he can't brag to his friends about how great his dad's job is. <laughs> yeah. It seems a little, yeah, it seems a little uh, off. I, I think it's, and especially so like, especially for me as someone who, not that I, not that I was never allowed to say what, like my dad did as a job, but he just had a job that was too complicated to explain. So I never understood it. I never felt a need to act out because I didn't understand what my dad did. <laughs> well, that, now you have to tell the listeners what your dad does. I have no clue what he does. <laughs> <laughs> he, it's, it's, yeah, it's something, it's something to do with, working with airlines and uh and trying to it's not sales but it's yeah see this is where it falls apart and he's <laughs> and he's tried many times to explain this to our family and it just it it's uh it just goes over our heads but <laughs> so there's this scene it comes in the middle of the movie and Charlie's finally telling his dad what's going on and he says you know I, all these kids at school, they get to say, oh, my dad's a pilot or my dad's a plumber. My dad has the best job of them all, and I can't tell anyone about it. <laughs> <laughs> As a kid, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Okay, all right. Now I watch that as an adult, and this is just something now. Where I watch this scene every year and I laugh at it with my sister. My sister, by the way, wanted to get a shout out because she just she finds this plot. I don't know if you want to call it a plot hole or whatever. She just finds it really funny. <laughs> like <Yeah>. he's jealous <laughs> of the guy whose dad is a plumber. What? <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Oh yeah, it's definitely uh, you know it doesn't feel like a genuine uh, character trait. Yeah, there's something missing here, and that's one. I that's one of the things I think that I mean it doesn't it doesn't dampen the movie for me in any way because I do really like this movie, <laughs> but I mean this is why I don't think it is quite as good as the original Santa Claus. But I mean I, I know some people who like this one more. I think the reason why this one some people prefer this movie, and I don't think that's a bad opinion at all i actually think it's very fair opinion i think the reason why they like this movie over the original is because this movie has some really iconic and strong scenes yeah i mean i remember as a kid liking this one better and some of that came from i'm a big i'm a big old nerd for for (laughs) world building and lore and stuff like that and so the idea of there being this council of of legendary figures was really <laughs> fascinating to me and I liked that um 
I liked seeing the world get expanded more. Uh, so that was a lot of fun for me as a kid. And now, now that I'm older, I feel, I don't know, that stuff's still fun and fine. And I do like that in TV shows and movies and stuff. But as far as Santa Claus specifically goes, as just as when I'm in the mood for a Christmas movie, I'd probably pop in the first one over the second one. <laughs> this one is good. And that you mentioned there's the character council. I really love those scenes. Uh, we were introduced. There's a. I think we have Mother Nature, the Tooth Fairy. Uh, is it Father Time or the Sandman? Do they specify? It's a uh, Sandman. Sandman. Okay, so you got Sandman, Sandman. the sure. Easter Bunny. Anyone else? I'm forgetting. That's all I remember. So, were there any snubs? Was there someone? Oh, there's Cupid. Cupid's in there too. Was there oh, anyone yeah. that should have been in this? Like some sort of leprechaun for St. Patrick's Day or anyone come to mind? <laughs> no, I don't know. I think I think if you're going to go for legendary figures, those are the ones to pick out uh, as far as like, you know, things that children believe in when they're young. The Sandman, Cupid, Easter Bunny, Santa, Tooth Fairy, all that, you know, all of that stuff kids believe in. Mother Nature, it's a little bit out of left field, but it also kind of <laughs> makes sense to have somebody be this appointed head of the council and yeah. having and having a mythical figure that sort of represents for the world as a whole make you know it works i think if they did it now they could have david pumpkins in there that'd be pretty fun who's david pumpkins oh you don't know david pumpkins uh from saturday night live a couple years ago tom hanks did david pumpkins oh <laughs> <laughs> But a lot of people listening probably don't know who David Pumpkins is. So you're not alone, Tommy. Don't worry. <laughs> I think they missed an opportunity here, though, for some comedy with the Tooth Fairy. Because we get these great ideas of, like, this Tooth Fairy who wants to have more of a masculine persona. He's got Plaque Man. He wants to be Roy. Uh, and then Santa pitches the Mullinator. And what I think is a missed opportunity, they cast the Santa or this Tooth Fairy guy, who I don't know who the actor is. I'm sure he's in other stuff, but he's not familiar to me. I think this would have been a really fun spot for a cameo for either some big time action star like Arnold Schwarzenegger or a pro athlete like you could get Shaq in here or Michael Jordan. I think that could have added an, another element to making it even funnier. Yeah, yeah, that could have been it could have been funny to have yeah, a more uh, a more iconic vision of masculinity in there. Um, he's been in he's been in a couple things. The actor's name is Art LaFleur. He was in Field of Dreams. Oh, uh, yeah, he uh, is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was uh, he was the babe in Sandlot also. Yeah. So he's he is an athlete to some degree. <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> so out of these names tommy which of these names do you like the best i got them all here there's oh in addition to plaque man roy mullinator captain floss which one would you go with if you, you were if you were in his <laughs> spot and you could pick one if i had to pick if i had to pick one for someone to be the two fairies Still, I think the Molinator was the best one. I think I think Tim <laughs> Allen had it right. 
<laughs> oh, and it's such a Tim Allen type of line, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> We're also shown in this part of the movie that Charlie is on the naughty list. And this is one of the parallels that I see to Elf, which comes out a year later, where you get the, the great visual of Buddy finding out his dad's on the naughty list and him yelling, No! <laughs> but one one of the jokes in here I wrote down that I thought was pretty funny was when Santa finds out, they tell him Charlie's on the naughty list, and he says, Charlie Sheen? I thought he straightened out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I Santa, I've got some uh worse news for you since uh that movie came out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Charlie Sheen had a had a little more uh had a few more naughty years before before <laughs> coming back. <laughs> What's Charlie Sheen doing now? Uh I don't know what he's up to. I haven't heard from him in a while. Man, I if they still had the Celebrity Apprentice, he would have been gold on that show. If that was going on now, he'd be perfect to go on there. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you brought up the the parallel of you know fam of uh, Elf and Charlie and uh, being on the naughty list. And I think it's an interesting thing. Something I was thinking about when I was watching this uh, is there seems. It's interesting seeing, I think, movies that are influenced by the culture um, of their time. I feel like I feel like the mid two uh, thousands were a time of there's. I feel like a lot of movies were coming out, and a lot of people were big fans of uh, moral relativism, mm. which is interesting. That, like the villain of this movie is. Uh, is somebody who's you know all about the law and uh, and uh, and picking out like no this person's bad this person's bad because um, I was thinking about like oh would would something like Santa Claus two come out uh, come out today would it be different I think uh, I think it would be I think a good uh, a good example of that is. Um, I don't know if you saw the the movie on Netflix, Klaus. I have not out. seen it. It's really good. I love it. Um, I think I'm going to watch that one every year. Uh, but but a big but a big issue that it's kind of dealing with uh, in that one is how divided everybody is. How how everybody seems to hate each other and they're constantly fighting. And it seems like. Uh, you know, early like early two thousands, there were a lot of uh, movies and messages that were about like, hey, like let's just sweep that under the rug. Let's just try to put this behind us and uh, and and try to come together anyway. Uh, versus, I think uh, today there's, I feel like the division, you know, just in the culture itself has gotten a lot worse. Mm. And uh, class seems to touch a lot more on this isn't going away anytime soon and something needs to be addressed. Um, but I thought that was just an interesting, uh, and maybe I'm, and maybe I'm going off the deep end here with that. <laughs> uh, but I, I thought that was, it's a little thing that kind of shows Santa Claus too as kind of being an artifact of its time. Yeah, that's very true. And, in terms of kind of what was selling and 
a lot of rebellious type of music. Uh, whereas, I mean, people, rebellious stuff is always selling, but you heard that rebellious punk rock at the beginning where Charlie is spray painting this stuff. And you do mention some of the Christmas movies that came out at this era. There was another Tim Allen Christmas movie that came out maybe about a year later called Christmas with the Cranks, where these people are very, we're not going to do anything for Christmas this year. Then there was another movie, which I never actually haven't seen, but I know it's a kind of a cult classic is bad Santa. So there's a lot of these kind of representations in just Christmas movies from that era of the early 2000s to the mid 2000s. No. Yeah. And it, I mean, and it's also something that's like coming off the top of my head. And as I was saying it out loud, I feel like there's some, there's some holes in what I was saying, but I feel like <laughs> there's something, there's something here that I'm circling the drain on, uh, that, uh, I wish I had, uh, come with a few more prepared thoughts on. <laughs> well, Hey, if they come to you as we flesh out this movie, feel free to bring them up. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so we get some other good comedy when he makes the the trip back to whatever the generic Midwest town is. Uh, give me a town. Let's let's pick a town for this. Give me a town in the Midwest, Tommy. Evanston. <laughs> Evanston, Illinois. So they're back in Evanston. Good old Evanston. I love Evanston. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they're back in Evanston, and Neil is just... On his A game here, he's so condescending, yet also, like, he's just, it's so weird because he's, like, encouraging and condescending at the same exact way, and it's not clear if he's intentionally trying to be condescending or if that's just his nature, Uh, but Neil the psychiatrist has some great lines here, and he even is so kind to let Scott borrow one of his ugly sweaters. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, you really get a you get a little bit more insight into uh, into what kind of game Neil has, <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of funny because this is where Neil. I don't really know what Neil is going for here because they have this meeting with Principal Newman about how what's going on with Charlie. What is this? And Neil seems to be on the same bandwagon that Principal Newman is. Is that well, Charlie? Your dad's not around for you. He's not. He needs to be here for you. And Neil, you want to take away Scott's visitation rights in the last movie. What What are you talking about? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it's been, you know, it's been like 10 years or however long. And uh, I'm sure that, you know, they've warmed up to each other a little bit more. Yeah, they, they, they have a really fun dynamic with each other where they make fun of each other, but it's in a very playful manner. Whereas in the first one, they really do not like each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed you can see a lot more um, growth in their friendship in this one. And there's a part where Laura, Laura really is one of the minor characters in this. I feels like Laura's lines really don't pop out. Like Neil doesn't, Neil takes a backseat in this movie, but we remember all the Neil stuff. Laura does not really have any lines or anything going on in this movie that's worth noting. That's true, actually. I didn't think about that, but you're right. You know, as much of a backseat as Neil has, Laura has even more of a backseat. I don't even think she shows up in the last half of the movie at all. No, I don't think so either. Laura, her role, I, she does show up uh, later when they're 
uh, trying to call on the Tooth Fairy, which is a really fun scene that we'll talk about. But that's it. And Neil has a much bigger role in that scene than Laura does. But the only thing that's really worth noting that Laura does is she sets Tim Allen up with one of her friends and when he's trying to find a 28-day fiancé or bride or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) And this date goes horribly wrong. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, know, a fun little... A fun little appearance from Molly Shannon. Uh, A little too excited about Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) It starts out, I can't really tell how Scott is feeling about this because she's got the Santa sweater on with Santa's face on it and some other Christmas apparel. And I don't know if they're trying to show like, oh, this could be good. Look at this. She loves Christmas. If someone, if I went on a first date, and the girl that I'm meeting on a blind date is wearing a sweater with my face on it. I am getting the <laughs> heck out of there as fast as possible. Yeah. Well, to be fair to her, she didn't know she was on a date with Santa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although that does bring up a good point is that I think that was literally the Tim Allen Santa that was on her sweater, which also brings up a whole question of, who who is selling who is selling Scott's face? Ooh. And why do we know what Santa looks like exactly? You know, instead of instead of it being just a generic Coke bottle Santa on her sweater. Yeah, and that's a great question. And then why is it so hard for Carol, Principal Newman, to wrap her brain around the fact that that this is Santa because you could do some sort of uh, a side by side look and say, look, see this, see this, this is Santa. I'm him. Look at our eyes. Look at our cheeks. Look at this stuff. And then the other thing is at the very least, then she might think, oh yeah, you're the guy who plays Santa on television or something like that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great point. I didn't think of that, Tommy. I mean, it's so funny. They go to great lengths to keep Santa a secret, and they're apparently selling his face on (laughs) (laughs) T-shirts. And the other thing is this Molly Shannon from Saturday Night Live, by the way, she's singing some Shania Twain. I'm a big fan. I love that song, uh, Man, I Feel Like a Woman by Shania Twain. So to hear a Christmas edition, uh, it's really really great uh, feature of the song. It's just not appropriate to uh just do it out in the middle of a restaurant yeah (laughs) (laughs) i also i also love the idea of like you know it almost it almost makes sense on paper for and for santa to marry somebody who's super into christmas and even in this moment santa himself is like all right tone it down (laughs) (laughs) he said like uh it was kind of like oh tommy you've never seen an adam sandler movie right isn't that a fact about you i've seen uh what have i seen i've seen 50 first dates okay and i don't know i must have seen another one but i can't think of what it what what it would have been 
Well, I was going to make a reference. I'm sure some of the listeners will pick up on this. There's the movie Billy Madison, where he goes back to school and is a 25-year-old man who's in a kindergarten class and goes through all the grades. And there's a point where he says to the cafeteria woman, he says, lady, you're scaring me. That's what I, I <laughs> that's basically what Tim Allen says to uh, Molly Shannon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, he's, and then I love how she, she gets so upset. She's like, oh, I really put myself out there. That took a lot of courage and you've crushed all of my courage to ever sing in public ever again. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Which when you really think about it, I think Santa did us a solid there. The real, the real Christmas gift this year was stopping that woman from singing in the middle of restaurants. <laughs> Has Molly Shannon been seen ever since? <laughs> Just disappeared, went off the map. I really hope he didn't kill her singing career. <laughs> There's another good line from Charlie when they're talking about who can we potentially get him set up with? What what could we do? And Charlie says, they're divorced moms at the school. They'll go out with anyone. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> One of the Neil lines I had here is when they're going in to meet with Principal Newman and... Laura says something. Laura, it seems like all her lines are to set someone else up for the joke. She never has any jokes of her own. And hers is like, I'm so glad you're here. And Scott says, I see you when you're sleeping. I know when you're awake. And Neil says, which is a pretty frightening concept when you think about it. (laughs) Let's talk about one of my favorite. This is top tier in terms of Christmas movie scenes um, for me. One of my, this might be my all-time favorite scene in a Christmas movie. The office Christmas party at the school where Scott ends up crashing, has a nice sleigh ride over there. Just That is like a, oh my goodness, that looks like a perfect kind of winter Christmassy night, a sleigh ride being pulled by a reindeer and you've got all these Christmas lights and snow. And then they end up getting to their destination, which is this very dull office Christmas party at the school that principal Newman works at Scott's the plus one. It's so dull. No one's doing anything. And then Scott goes in and he really livens up the party. And he he brings out every single employee's favorite toy from their childhood, which I just love this scene so much, Tommy. It's so fun. Yeah, it's a really it's a really heartwarming moment. And uh also he you know, he really pulled out the stops in uh in that date. You know, he really uh yeah. made good use of that magic. Yeah, he's got a limited amount of magic that he can use, which is going to come into play later because if he loses, if he needs enough magic to get back to the North pole. Um, But this, so you get the scene where he says, Hey, John, come up here. Didn't your mom used to call you JJ? Merry Christmas, JJ. He opens it up. Toss across. Oh, where'd you find this? And he's so 
pumped up about it and you get this montage of everyone playing with their favorite toys from their childhood it's very charming it's very sweet it's very fun i must ask you tommy what would be the toy that someone would bring out to you as an as now a full-grown adult that would get you super excited and over the moon that you would just be like oh my goodness no way Rock'em Sock'em Robots? Oh, man. I think for me, it would probably be a Nintendo 64. Oh. Yeah. That's a great selection. Mine is also coming from video games, which shows kind of the era that we grew up in. Yeah. Mine's a PC game. If someone just said, Backyard Baseball, here you go. Backyard Baseball. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Solid one. Oh my goodness. That one would be, that's pretty much the thing for me. If I had to talk about an actual toy, I got a toy tank one year when I was like six or seven that shot little uh, Nerf missiles. That was pretty sick. That is pretty dope. So Scott comes out a real winner at this Christmas party and makes a lot of progress to the point that at the end of this date, he reveals that he is Santa. And this is where it gets very Hallmark Christmassy movie type, where you have to have some sort of a suspense of will they or won't they, and they have some sort of a fight or a misunderstanding, and they're going to have to come together at the end. Right. It, it gets a little bit over the top uh, in that moment. I honestly, <laughs> I, in, in that moment, I was thinking, man, he shouldn't have squandered his last bit of magic on a mistletoe oh yeah when he could have done a little something especially because she was already like they were already going in for the kiss he didn't have to use his last bit of magic to get to get this kiss from her anymore because they were already it was already happening yeah and if he let's say he had used it and was like look i'm gonna show you i'm gonna bring out this mistletoe that would have maybe that would have helped the sales pitch a little better, but that was really a big waste. Right. <laughs> but it's kind of funny because she's very impressed with the fact that, oh my goodness, how'd you find out everyone's favorite toy? How did you put all this together? I didn't see you bring any of this, and you just invited yourself to this party at the last second. I think this comes down to two potential things. Either he is Santa or he's a serial killer. <laughs> right. That's the other, yeah. That's the other thing. I was just like, man, if I were her in this scenario, there would be so many red flags happening. <laughs> uh, especially yeah, there's just, there's too much to, if I, yeah, if magic isn't real and, and this is still happening, He's definitely a stalker. Yeah, there's something creepy. It's either very sweet or creepy. And it goes back to that song, Every uh, Every Breath You Take by the Police, which was originally written about a stalker. And people were like, oh my goodness, this is the most amazing, charming song. People are playing it at their weddings. And it really just goes to show <laughs> the difference between a stalker and a guy who is very sweet is that the girl likes the guy back. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things that uh uh you know, a lot of areas where 
the only dividing line is is the person into it, which you know is a very important distinction. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think about he actually when he shows he also just shows up at her house too, which is also something that you could say is kind of creepy. Oh yeah, showing it. Well, I don't know. Back in that day, I feel like yeah. knocking on someone's door isn't as it's not as uh, invasive. Or yeah. Yeah, nowadays it's like uh, back like 20 years ago, someone knocks on your door, rings the doorbell, you're like, "Ooh, this is going to be interesting. What's this? Maybe it's my neighbor, maybe my neighbor wants to hang out, maybe something good." Now it's like someone knocks on the door and you're like, "Oh my goodness, I need to hide. Something bi- someone's going to try to sell me something. Someone wants me to sign something for their political campaign that I know nothing about or then it's maybe it's an Amazon package, which I don't understand the rhyme or reason to the Amazon packages. It's sometimes there's like an Amazon truck. Sometimes it comes through UPS or something like that. And other times it's just some random dude in his car. Yeah, it, it really, you know, it's, I guess it's just whatever gets here fastest. <laughs> so, yeah, in this era, I guess the showing up at her house thing there's probably some sort of a school directory where that information is available because the kids know to throw snowballs at it, which, by the way, Charlie, right. bad Charlie, dude. You're not a good dude. Bad Charlie. That's that's a, that's a no-good move. <laughs> it is interesting that they did all know because I've never known where any of my principals live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me neither. That's yeah. a good point. But we didn't go to the – well, you went to the public school system for a little bit. I did. Yeah. yeah. I, we both went public high school, but that that's different. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So I did public elementary school till fifth grade. And then halfway through, I switched over to CHA uh, with with you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Best decision you ever made. That's <laughs> right. It is. <laughs> so he shows up and he, he, sell, he says... You want to you want to go, and this is a little Buddy the Elfish, but Buddy before Buddy, where Buddy asks uh, Jody or whatever her name is on the date, where he's like, "You want to go eat food?" And Tim Allen can't spit it out. He's like, "How about uh, noodles, noodles and pie?" What What do you think about yeah. this noodles and pie <laughs> date idea? Noodles and pie. I mean, I think presented differently would sound very nice, but. it sounds like he's gonna go let's go heat up a ramen packet and go pick up a pie from baker square that's how i interpret it yeah (laughs) it sounds like a very college type of date right (laughs) (laughs) another element in this movie is that curtis brings this up the desantification process has begun he says early on and so scott ends up losing a lot of weight age regression and then they start wondering are you all right like you've lost weight so quickly yeah what is going on with you could it been i mean if this came out now and i guess i could say i lost 40 pounds over a month and a half with a thyroid disease so i i this stuff happens okay i i understand it it's kind of scary too could he have said if this came out now i'm on the i'm on the keto diet or i'm a vegan now or something like that <laughs> oh yeah i'm sure he could have made up some kind of uh i mean some <laughs> 
cleanse cleanse something that you know people would buy or i mean he could have even just come out and said something like oh i've got a thing with my thyroid and like what are they gonna do are they gonna be like oh well let's not hang out then i don't like they'll just okay yeah that's fine and then they move on with their life <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> over at the north pole things are going crazy and tell me about what you, what are some of the things that you really like in the North Pole scenes? Uh, I mean, I love, I think, it, I think the idea of, uh, of seeing the workshop as this place, I think the balance between making it a magical, wonderful workshop, but also having a little bit of uh, bureaucracy and technology behind it, I think was a very cute balance. Um, I think. I think the Santa Claus, I think the Tim Allen Santa Claus portrayal of the North Pole is my favorite one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what I think about it. But how about you? Yeah, you know, the North Pole, one thing I will say, the North Pole in the second movie gets a total makeover renovation from the first one. It seemed like there may have been a bigger budget here because in the first one, you sort of see some of the North Polish stuff out the window where you maybe see some snow or whatever, but the North pole kind of looks like a basement or a bar or something like that. In the first movie and this one, you, you talk about world building. They really, it's more open world. And you see that the big staircase and all the snow that the elves are playing football in. That's another thing I enjoy is the idea of, of the North pole having intramural sports. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty good and the only the only thing that makes it not realistic is there was no arguing going on right. between the elves <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh i just i just looked it up you want to know how much the budget was uh the estimated budget for santa claus 2 kid do you have can you are you able to compare it to one i, I think that would be great information if you can so the budget for the first Santa Claus movie was an estimated $22 million. Okay, that sounds right. So do you want me to guess the second movie? Oh, no, that's fine. I could just say it. But the, uh, the budget... I'm going to guess. I'll okay, guess. Cool. It'll be fun. 65, that's my guess. You're, you're right. 65 million. Are you serious? Yeah, how did you... Are you looking... Did you look it up? All no, I'm not. I, I just gave a, I gave a ballpark. That was my guess. I was like... That's crazy. I, that's insane. Yeah, you got it right on the money. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's $65 million, Basically triple the budget of the first one. Yeah, because it wasn't like... I, my, I was just guessing because like inflation... You know, people are spending more money. It's 10 years later, but it also, it was such a huge success. Do you have the box office numbers for those movies too? That'd be interesting. Yeah. So box office, uh, the box office numbers for the first Santa Claus, uh, they made on the opening, well, okay, so they made on the opening weekend, uh, $19,321,992. Um, but then their total, uh, their total was about 145 million um, across the world, or no, sorry, across the the country. Um, and they made 190 million around the world. That's the first one. Uh, That's good. Yeah, 
Very good. The second, yeah, the second one, uh, the second one made uh, made twenty nine million uh, opening weekend. So that's you know, that's not great. That's less than half of what they spent to make the darn thing. Yeah. But then uh, uh, USA though, uh, a total for USA was one hundred thirty nine mil. Total around the world is one hundred seventy two million. So kind of. So I think in terms of percentage return on investment, the first one made a lot more than the second one. Yeah, that makes sense. But I, so I, I see why uh, I was guessing bigger budget for the second one, especially there's a little bit of a nostalgia factor when you come back a decade later. Right. And I remember seeing a lot of commercials for it. I remember when it was new they showed that football scene on Sports Center back in the day, which made me all amped up to go see it. Uh, so yeah, that makes sense. That was my guess. But I mean, they ended up making money both ways. Now the third movie, ooh, I don't, I don't think the third movie did quite as well, and I don't, I don't think it holds up as well as the first two movies either. I never bothered to see the third one, even. It. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> No, but it let's see. It got the third one uh uh I don't even see it. Oh, here we go. Estimated budget for the third one was only 12 million. Oh boy. Yeah, they really they really cut the cut the cord on that one. Um they made 19 million 19 and a half million opening weekend though. So that's I mean, they made more than they spent. Yeah, they made money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. 84 and a half total in the U.S., 110 total in the, across the world. Um, so, I mean, a decent, a more decent return on investment than the second one. It's a little bit more profitable, but, uh, but at what cost? At what cost of quality? <laughs> one of the things that I really like about Principal Newman is the complexity to her character. You see at the beginning, she's this mean boss type lady where she's really hard on these kids but then when they're doing the community service stuff you've got this punky guy who drives a mercedes and is like don't let any of your delinquents scratch my mercedes it's so great and then she says hey they're good kids and you see like i think this is a good depiction of someone who works in education who really cares about kids, but sometimes has to discipline them for their own good. Right. Yeah. They did a good job really establishing that she's not, she's not a Grinch. She's just a firm, but fair person. Yeah. Is there some type of a war on Christmas type message here with Santa being offended that there's no Christmas trees in the hallway or in a public school? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I really believe in the war on Christmas in general. No, I don't either. I okay. was making a joke. <laughs> oh, got it. <laughs> One of the scenes that, another scene that I think is, like I said, there's some high high in this movie. I really enjoy when Charlie talks to Principal Newman and when she's cleaning her car and he shows her the snow globe and he talks about there's this element again that we talked about from the last movie of faith and the believing seeing isn't believing believing is seeing 
an iconic quote that you could say to anyone who's seen either of these movies, and chances are they're going to remember what movie it's from. Uh, reminds me of a Bible verse. I'll come back to that in a second. Did you like this scene that I'm talking about? Yeah, I did. I mean, I think, and I agree with you. I think that's a very, I thought that that line very much resonated with me, that it's, um, I think it's a really great reminder that, um, that, you know, sometimes there, sometimes there are things that people just won't even realize or think about or see, um, just because they've already written it off in their own minds. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the verse that comes to mind for me is Hebrews 11.1 1 from the King James Version. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, I think that's right on the money. So we get a good scene. The snow globe makes an appearance, uh, a callback to the first movie. And we see that she shakes the snow globe and she smiles and she's able to kind of get that Christmas spirit back, which it's not that she's anti-Christmas or anything like that, but she isn't super rah-rah Christmas. And she talks about, this is another element you could talk about with faith, is how she used to always believe in Santa, but then at a certain point, and this was one of the absurdities in this movie, she used to get in fights with kids at the school uh, who did did not believe in Santa, and she was sticking up for Santa. At one point, she came home with a bloody nose. These are some pretty heated uh, <laughs> debates. <laughs> the idea of a kid... The idea of, of a kid getting the crap kicked out of her for believing in Santa uh, is pretty funny. Although I do kind of believe <laughs> that probably did happen to somebody. <laughs> Actually, like the more we talk about it, maybe it's just because we grew up in this 21st century where they've really cracked out on physical bullying, where a lot of the bullying goes on is more mental in terms of mind games of people saying stuff but they can't actually put their hands on them so maybe this stuff was happening but we're just too young to really entertain the idea of it happening yeah that's probably right although i do think kids in general are are, are pretty unruly i remember uh i mean yeah i used to be a a junior high youth group leader and there was like i saw a group of kids taking a selfie one time and one of the kids didn't like the way the other kid was taking the selfie and decked him. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh I my had, goodness. I have no idea. I mean, hormones are running high. Kids are weird, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very, very, very crazy. Uh, I will not go into any of the stories of what I'm seeing these days now working at a school. <laughs> <laughs> but... It's so that at that point, her parents had to tell her Santa's not real. I'm sorry to say that. The problem, though, that exists in any movie where Santa Claus is real, why don't the parents believe in Santa when they see all these gifts under the tree that they didn't go out and purchase? Right. It seems to be just something that gets glossed over. Yeah, that that's something that's never really made sense to me. Um, but. For whatever reason, her parents tell her there's no Santa, and at that point, she kind of lost her, lost her faith, if you will. If, it's, if faith is a metaphor, she no longer believes at this 
point and she doesn't end up believing again until she she does believe before she sees santa which is important to note because she ends up making the trip to the north pole um in order to be wed and make christmas go on yeah the yeah the getting the the christmas spirit revived in her we have to talk about this tooth fairy scene before that because the tooth fairy scene is really another one that i think stands out was this one that you had remembered when you're looking thinking back to the movie uh you talking about at the end when they're when they're trying to rip out his teeth yeah <laughs> <laughs> i i completely forgot about it but <laughs> i felt like this was tim allen back in his home improvement self tumbling down the stairs uh goofing stuff up trying to you know it's neil's idea to throw the toaster down the stairs in order to pull out his tooth there's some good comedy here for sure i also love that's another sign of just neil's growth as a person is just how down neil was to (laughs) like it just goes from one moment of him being like what's going on down here cut to tying tim allen's tooth to a toaster (laughs) He's like, this works all the time. <laughs> Used to do this all the time as kids. And I got to say, I don't know why, Tommy, but one of my phobias, I don't think I really have any phobias, but one of them, for whatever reason, is losing my teeth. Like I've had nightmares, recurring nightmares where I wake up and one of my teeth is gone. And so to me, I'm just like, oh my goodness. I'll just let Christmas end. I don't want to lose my teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I would have said, hey, Neil, do you want to sacrifice for the team? Do you want to do something here? Help us out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Especially going for like a front tooth, too, where people are going to see that. Yeah, they they did not pick wisely. And I mean, didn't... Uh, why wouldn't uh, their... Why wouldn't the Tooth Fairy have some kind of magic to set your tooth back in place? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Because Charlie, I mean, Charlie's 13 now. There's no chance that he's losing a front tooth for the first time because it looks like he's losing one of his front teeth in order to get to the North Pole. That's definitely, that's an adult tooth. That was so definitely that's, a finished tooth, yeah. That's a big fat L. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there there needs to be something there. But it's a good scene. Curtis ends up showing up too. He hitches a ride back. And Bernard's under house arrest too, by the way, which is sad. And by the way, we also got to talk about, they make this plan where they're like, they they say, maybe we can just duplicate santa make him put him in toy form and the toy can run things here at the north pole why there's a point where bernard's like are you sure this is a good idea i mean i could just kind of fill in for you over the next few weeks we shouldn't lie to the elves and tim allen's like no that's okay let's do this i that didn't i don't understand why he wanted to take the risk yeah, I think cloning yourself is a little bit more drastic. I mean, if the boss has to step out, the boss has to step out. I feel like, and yeah, I feel like his number two is was good enough at the job. He could easily handle it. Yeah, and 
This is sad because this ends up being Bernard's last stand because he does not return in the Santa Claus 3. Oh, does he not? He doesn't. Curtis becomes number two. Uh, oh. I wonder if it was just some kind of scheduling conflict. No, I'm guessing that they're saving all this money. They said, Bernard, sorry, man. Uh, we're going to, what was that, $8 million? We're going to save $8 million. You're not coming back. Bernard's making $8 million for these movies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're back at the North Pole, the end of the movie, before we can get to the really great ending, which I, I love this ending, by the way, which has another faith element that I want to talk about. We have to have some action. We have to take down the evil empire that has emerged at the North Pole. Why don't we can call we could call these guys the resistance? Yeah, we got the we got a little elf rebellion going on. Yeah, but it feels like yeah, so we got the evil empire versus the resistance. I know you're a big Star Wars guy, so Oh yeah. I want to get want to get you I know you're excited for this new Star Wars movie, so make a little comparison there, but uh Basically, Toy Santa has become a tyrant. Things are horrible. He's got these nutcracker toy soldiers that are... They've locked up Bernard. He's under house arrest. And they he wants to take over. He wants to put coal in every single child's stocking. Tell me about this legalism theme that you see here, Tommy. Oh, well, I mean, I see the... Uh the zeal that that toy santa has for making sure to follow the rules and he kind of touches i mean he, it's interesting because he kind of they lightly touch on but don't really explore the idea of um uh, where uh, you know where do we draw the line at bad behavior where do we draw the line at evil what is evil um which i think you know for a sequel to a christmas movie is a little bit too deep to go, but, um, (laughs) 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 but, uh, but they, but they do lightly touch on those ideas with this villain who, um, who seems to, you know, want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, uh, on everybody. And, uh, yeah, you know, any, any time a child has slightly inconvenienced an adult, naughty list naughty list exactly so lots of coal going out here and we get a good showdown between real santa versus toy santa did you catch the toy story call back here yeah the sad strange (laughs) little man line i thought that (laughs) that that made me do a double take (laughs) that's something i've seen Almost every episode of Last Man Standing, most of the episodes of Home... Well, I've definitely have seen all the episodes of Home Improvement, but it's been a long time since I've watched them. I've been re-watching Home Improvement recently. I've seen a lot of Tim Allen, and there's one thing I know about him. He loves referencing his old work. And so we got that great, you are one sad, strange little man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From Toy Story. Oh, man. Which is... And that's what um, that's what Buzz says to Woody, right? Right. It's when yeah. Uh, yeah, it's when Woody's trying to convince Buzz that he's a toy. Yeah. So that's that's I was just clarifying, make sure that was Buzz to Woody, not Woody to Buzz. Yeah. Tommy, do you think you're more of a Buzz or a Woody? 
Um, I think I think Woody. I definitely had uh, I had you know the Woody. I had a lot of like Woody toys and stuff. Um, I had a couple Buzz Lightyear things, and I thought the Buzz Lightyear Star Command cartoon was cool. But uh, I think the the Cowboys was you know was just my jam. How about you? <laughs> I I'm, I'm related a little more to Buzz for whatever reason. Um, but I think. I feel like everyone sort of sees, it seems like Woody, for whatever reason, is more relatable. I think the loyalty factor is big. I mean, look at, Tommy, you're you're coming on a podcast with me 11 years after we graduated from eighth grade together. So right. the loyalty factor is real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that, there's a really fun callback there. And they end up putting the evil toy Santa back in the duplicator whatever that machine is called and they resize him and make him tiny and i didn't actually see they, i don't think they show where they put him after that no i don't think i think the last we actually see of him is just him going into the thing and you see them flip the switch to reduce uh and that's the last we see of him i wonder if there's some sort of alternate ending or deleted scene where they show what they do to him. Because I got a theory, Tommy. I got an idea. Lay it on me. I think, going back to Toy Story, I'll, I'll reference Toy Story 2. I think he goes out Stinky Pete style. Oh, snap. I think he is a toy, and he's getting dropped off to be played with in a doll collection by some little girl or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that happening for sure. So, and now I, I didn't even realize how similar this movie is to Toy Story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who'd have thought? <laughs> so, Tommy, we get to this last scene where really there's so much pressure here on Principal Newman. And they put her in a spot where how on earth is she able to say no in front of this whole group of elves and the the pressure of santa and christmas is going to come to an end and if she had said no is the suit just going to appear on some random roof or something like that and there's going to be a new santa claus yeah i don't know i don't know who would have had to take over but uh no i mean that would be I mean, it would be an awkward ride home, to say the least, if she had said no. But also, <laughs> but also, how could you not say no? I don't know how she said yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what I really like about this scene, and there's this is where I came up with something that was seemed a little biblical to me, where he gets down on one knee, he proposes and she's hesitant because she has to leave her former life. Uh, the life that she's known her whole life, her life on, I want to say her life on earth because the North pole is earth, but it's kind of similar to someone who is presented the gospel. And I'll read a, I'll read a line here. Scott, AKA Santa says, I know I'm asking you to leave everything at home, but I can guarantee you this place is worth it. Mm, yeah. It's, uh, it's funny that you bring that up because it, it does seem like there, I mean, any parallel of, 
uh, of needing to leave leave an old self behind and pick up something new. I mean, it's definitely there. Yeah, and I've got some scripture here from... This is from Matthew 8, verses 18 to 22. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. As a former youth group leader, Tommy, uh, I want to hear your thoughts on this, but first, could you tell people, maybe explain what this passage might mean? I mean, it, I, I'd say it's, it's pretty straightforward. It's just about there are things that there, there are social conventions um, that are taken for granted in this world that we um, are just expected to uh, go along with or, you know, that we, I mean, and we have these explanations of, oh, it's only polite or it's, um, or, you know, it's just what, it's just what we do. It's just how this works and things like that. And Jesus is making it clear that no, it's, that's not how things just work. There's no putting this thing in front of, in front of me, in front of this relationship. And so when this, so when this guy is talking about like, Oh, I have to go to my dad's funeral. Uh, and Jesus is saying no time. Like think, you know, the, the bridges that he'd burn by not attending that funeral, uh, the, is, you know, it's a heavy burden that Jesus is asking him to carry. And so he's basically saying, Jesus is saying, don't waste your time. Come and follow me now. Uh, and you won't regret it. You're going to be coming to a place that's much better than the things of this world, which is the gospel in a nutshell in a little bit. And we've got only so much time on this show, so we can't go too deep on this. But I wanted to try to sum that up as best I can. And really, I saw a lot of similarity in what Carol has to do here because he's calling her to a different life and says, look, come to here. This is a different world, but you're not going to regret it. Things are better here at the North pole than they are in Evanston, Illinois. <laughs> and, uh, you're not going to regret it. Come and come and join me right now. Um, or it's not, it's not a thing that you have time to mull over. You, it's either now or never type of dilemma. Right. Yeah, I'd say yeah, that's exactly what what's going on in uh, in this moment too is uh, this this leap of faith um, into a marriage that is full of unknowns, uh, but ultimately, at least in at least in this specific case, any listeners out there, I'm not saying get married to the first person you see, but. <laughs> <laughs> but at least in this case, we know as viewers that it is uh, that it is a a worthwhile life to have still uh, to to be there up at the North Pole and spreading Christmas cheer. Yeah, 
And so one of the things that I like is some of these some of these Christmas movies have whether they're intentional or not, there are things in these movies that can serve as a metaphor for Christianity, biblical themes, you name it. And so I thought there were there were a couple things here, and we talked a lot about this last year. And if you're interested in hearing that podcast and you missed out last year, go back and listen to it. It's a very popular episode, as I mentioned. You're going to want to go back and listen to that if you haven't heard it already. Um, Tommy, I don't really have any other thoughts in terms of going through this plot or anything like that. Um, did you have any? And then I, I'll, I will ask you after that in terms of just looking at this movie as a whole, how you would judge it or what your thoughts are. What do you think? Um, no, I think overall I'd say it's a, it's a fun movie. It's a solid movie. It's a good family flick. Uh, and, you know, if, uh, and if you're looking for something Christmassy to watch, uh, you know, I'd say it's a solid choice. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's really good. It's enjoyable. I don't think... It's quite up to the standard of the first one, but I don't think there's a significant drop-off between the two movies. I think this is really good. It's really enjoyable. I think it's a great movie for kids. Yeah. As you mentioned, there's a great family element to it. I feel like these two Santa Claus movies encompass the magic of Santa and the North Pole. I'd say better than just about any other movie at least it's at the top in terms of i mean elf is up there too um some of those christmas classics that you might watch on tv like you talk about the rudolph the claymation stuff i mean there's a lot of really good stuff out there but i think this does such a great job of just bringing that magic to kids yeah yeah for sure and it's fun now that i work at a school seeing how excited kids get about Christmas because I'll tell you the truth, Tommy, like there is an element to me that it doesn't, I don't quite have the same kind of excitement and anticipation to Christmas as I did when I was six, seven, eight years old, but that's okay. I mean, I I still enjoy Christmas and it's a great, I love hearing all the Christmas songs and thinking about the birth of our savior and reflecting on that. But to see the look that kids have in their eyes when they talk about Christmas, it's just so delightful. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely, I think Christmas means different things to to kids than it does to adults. But um, I think both are, um, both are great and both, you know, help bring the holiday spirit alive. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Tommy, do you have anything else on this movie? Any other thoughts? No, I think we've I think we've said it all. All right. Yeah. My last thing I want to ask you about and then uh we can wrap up here. You brought out a hot take on Facebook a couple weeks ago. You know what I'm talking about? It was a Christmas take in the world of Christmas music. Oh, if I had a time machine, <laughs> I'd go back in time and stop George Michael from writing Last Christmas. <laughs> Say garbage song. <laughs> And it does not belong anywhere on the Christmas airwaves. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this brings me to a topic here. I think everyone has one Christmas song that they can live without. <laughs> and for me, I, I I like that song. And the Taylor Swift cover is, is a good one, too. 
Um, I got nothing against Last Christmas, but for me, I got a different pop song that I want to cancel. What is it? What you got? All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. What? <laughs> no. Jack. You can't say that. That's not allowed. <laughs> that song, I, I just never, it doesn't do a whole lot for me. It's just kind of, it, I don't know. I If you like it, uh, you can enjoy it, whatever, but it's one that when it comes on the radio, I skip it. It's just, it's one that it gets kind of stuck in my head and it gets kind of annoying. And I, this is blasphemous. This is where the podcast needs to end. This is, Jack, you're going to lose all your viewers. This is too controversial. <laughs> What's the best Christmas song? Best Christmas song. I, hmm. You could give me an album. How about that? Best favorite Christmas album, uh, at least temporarily, that you've been listening to a lot this year. And if you want to do two, three, that's fine. Well, I think I think no, I can answer best Christmas songs. So, uh, so this one's a little bit out of left field, and it's not one that a lot of people have heard. But there's a great song. It's almost Christmas, is what it's called by John and by John and Valerie Guerra. Um, I I think it's just. It just sounds like nostalgia to me, and I think I think it also helps that you know I'm that you know we're someone from the Chicago area, so so when he's singing about specifically Chicago things, it means a little bit more to to me than to someone who you know maybe like lives in Florida or something. But uh, but I really like that one, and also the fact that you've left Chicago and you miss it. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely you know L.A. is nice, but it's no it's no Chicago. My favorite, I will say, is I Celebrate the Day by Reliant K, another song that isn't very well known. Um, but th- that's a really great song. Really kind of asks the questions of just like kind of the idea of Jesus came into this world as a baby. And at what point did that baby know that he was going to die for our sins? And it's a very sweet uh, very good sounding songs. That would be my pick. That's a good pick. Yeah. I'll give you my three Christmas albums that are my go-tos uh, perennially now. And I would say it's uh, Let It Snow, Baby, Let It Rain, Dear, the Reliant K Christmas album. Um, Brad Paisley's Christmas album for the country fans. Mm-hmm. And then if you like classic rock, uh, can't go wrong with the Beach Boys Christmas album. Oh yeah, there's uh, there's a recent hot take. I think I might, you know what? There's one song <laughs> that I think I might like better than uh, than it's almost Christmas by John and Valguera, and it is. This might not be considered a Christmas song, and I don't even know if I consider it a Christmas <laughs> song yet. But there's a recent hot take of a certain loophole. Toto's Africa as a Christmas song. Oh. It's why is that? So the song is so the song is set in obviously Africa about the Serengeti, Mount Kilimanjaro. December is a rainy season in East Africa. So that's, you know, kind of cold, which technically would make Toto's Africa a Christmas song. Hmm. But <sighs> yeah. Man, that's tough. Yeah, let I don't let the fans get in the comments about that one. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the diehard of Christmas songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh my goodness. All right. Yeah. So if you, I want people sounding off to us on Twitter. Is, is Africa a Christmas song? Tommy, um, what are you working on right now that people should check out? You want to plug anything while you're here? Uh, I got nothing I'm personally working on that, uh, that people should check out at least in the near future. Maybe, maybe the next episode I'm on, uh, (laughs) when we talk about Santa Claus (laughs) three, but, (laughs) but as of now, there's nothing I'm working on. I will say to everybody, definitely check out Klaus on Netflix. It's worth it. I cried. It's very good. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Tommy, you killed it today. This was so much fun, and I uh, can't wait till we do this again sometime. It's hard to believe the last that that was a full year ago that we did the Santa Claus one. It's been a fast year. It's insane. I can't believe it. It feels like it feels like eons ago, and at the same time, it feels like yesterday. Yeah. All right, Tommy. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Wow, what a great conversation with Tommy Weber that was. So much fun talking about one of my favorite Christmas movies, The Santa Claus 2. I want to hear what you think. So I want you to tweet me at Jack Vita Show on Twitter. Let me know what you think of the podcast, what you thought of the movie, The Santa Claus 2. How does it how does it measure up to the first one? If you like what you heard today on the podcast, you can subscribe to The Jack Vita Show on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcasts, and you will never miss an episode. Please take some time and leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes. That would be a huge, huge help as I attempt to get this podcast out to the masses and grow the show as we go into the new year, 2020. In addition to that, I've got podcast stickers with the Jack Vita Show logo on them. If you want them, slide into my DMs on Twitter or Instagram. If you live far away, I will let you know how much it costs to ship. Tips are welcome. Uh, (laughs) I don't charge anything in terms of a Patreon, no subscription fees. Anything you want to give for these stickers, I will gladly accept and i will ship them out to wherever you live and if you live in the chicago land area you won't have to worry about shipping you can just come by and pick it up so get in touch about that i would love to get you a sticker so that you can rep the podcast all your friends coming up on the podcast here as the year wraps up i am going to be doing some football analysis most likely this er, sometime early this week recapping week 16 in the NFL or sorry week 15 in the NFL lots going on there lots to talk about in addition to that I also recorded a podcast called all decade sports where I chatted with Paul Oren and we made our picks for the all decade NFL teams MLB team all-decade college basketball, and all-decade NBA squads. That was a lot of fun to look back on this decade of sports and prepare for what we might see in the upcoming decade. Wow, 2010s went by very quick. In addition to that, we'll see. Maybe I'll have another surprise podcast dropping here or there if I have time. Uh, But that is it for our Christmas edition podcast Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas. Stay safe on the roads. If there's any snow on the roads or whatever, please be safe. Have a great Christmas.
Bring in the dancing lobsters. 